Red means go. Only in here. That's right. And no means yes. (laughs) Only in that song. That's right. What's that song that everyone's up in arms about? Uh, Baby, it's cold outside. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, You're not allowed to play that anymore here in 2018. The the best version of that song was actually sung by uh, Bill Cosby. (laughs) Oh, oh, I see. I thought you were going to like go to Elf, the movie. No. (laughs) No. And then here we are going straight. (laughs) All right. Uh, Hey. I listened to that song my whole life, and look how I turned out. Yeah. So I don't know. How you doing, Dr. Jones? I'm doing great. By the way, hey, this is Eye on Health. Every Saturday from 10 to 11, we're here talking about your health care. My name's Michael Jones. I got Eric Beto-Robert running the (laughs) (laughs) Now that you lost, we can can co-opt the name. Someone's got to pick it up. I I think it works well for you. And, and my, my rich heritage and this is the cornfields right. of Illinois. That's right. yeah. Yeah. yeah, Almost as rich as his heritage. <laughs> That's right. Um, it's like getting the band back together. It We've is. Been it's been a couple weeks. weeks. Yeah, yeah, I missed the the day or the two days after Thanksgiving because I was mm-hmm. just lazy, frankly. Yep. And then I was out of town, and I guess you were out of town last week. That's right. But we're back. We are back. And we're kicking it off with a very special guest. We are a, a long-anticipated yeah. guest. And I'm very excited about this. I am, too. Because I drive by this sign, I'm holding a business card mm-hmm. here, and I drive mm-hmm. by this sign every day on my way home. Yeah. And it marks, I'm like four minutes from home. You know I where you are. Yeah. How close <laughs> I am. Um, but I'm very excited for another reason, too, so we can get some free healthcare advice. That's right. We, especially you. <laughs> Dr. Shaw, to, to preeminent, or, uh, prematurely introduce the guest for just for a moment, uh, we like to invite guests on for free copays. That's Absolutely. that's how we treat this uh, hour is an uh, important theme. I mean, yeah. neither one of us has actually seen a doctor in like six <laughs> years. Right. We just right. invite the doctors in anyway, here. Anyway, I can yeah. help. It's very efficient. So, folks, we've got special <laughs> guest, Dr. Caton Shaw. I'm going to spell it out so you can Google it. His first name is K-E-T-A-N, last name Shaw, S-H-A-H. He's a medical doctor. He's an ENT. Mm-hmm. Yes. And the name of his practice is ENT and Sleep Medicine Associates. That's right. Is that right? I guess it it is. I'm glad to be here. And guess what? They've got a website, Eric. They do. Most people do nowadays. And I have to say, some of the most impressive patient materials that I've seen just about any practice bring in for us here. But we'll get to that. That's not the point of the show. But the website um, is ENT... A-N-D, sleep. So ENTandsleep.com. Mm-hmm. It's a great website. It's got all this wonderful information that's in this brochure. Do you, do you know how Dr. Shaw find his, found his way onto the air today? I, I don't. I, maybe I do, but a, I forgot. A, a uh, very timely recommendation from uh, Amy Studdle at Victory Men's Health. So thank you, Amy. Oh, that's who right. came, uh, Dr. That's Shaw right. came highly recommended oh, from right. Amy. That's right. Victory Men's Health, another friend of the show. That's right. <laughs> Check out their website, victorymenshealth.com. There you go. I was just there the other day. Were you? Some blood work done. Beautiful. I need Making to get sure back I'm in, all yeah. tuned up for the winter. So great. That's right. I do remember. She's the one that set this up. Mm-hmm. So Dr. Shaw, we're very excited to talk to you about your practice. Um, I'm excited to talk to you because you've got multiple locations in the Metro East. Yes, we do. Yes. Which is great. That's where I, 
you know my practice was yeah. for many years. Um, and uh, where Eric is from, man, stomping grounds. Yeah. Um, but we're going to talk about kind of the way ENT is changing. Yes, absolutely. Um, because there's a lot more office-based stuff now versus rushing everything into the operating room. And there's definitely benefits for a patient uh, when we're doing more stuff in the office versus the operating room. Yeah, with the trends in healthcare nowadays, there's a lot of focus on healthcare expenditures and where patients are spending their money. And when we started this practice about 10 years ago, we were really concerned about how patients were going to receive their health care, where their health care dollars were going. So we created the practice with the hopes of really creating basically a five-star experience for the patient. We wanted everything from the time that they were introduced to our practice to the time that they were treated to be top-notch all the way across. So we we started introducing these office procedures because most patients, let's face it, they, they don't enjoy going to hospitals. They want to get their care all in one place. And that was the focus of our practice. So one of, one of the things that we do a lot of is we manage patients with nasal and sinus disease in the office. We manage patients with sleep disorders in our office. And that's a big focus for us uh, in helping to have easy access for patients in a cost-effective ways. Yeah, I mean, it used to be with the sinus stuff, at least when I was doing my training, um, everything was done in the operating room. Yes. Right? I mean, you had sinus issues, you were going, and some of these are major reconstructions of the uh, sinus anatomy to get things fixed. Um, but it's pretty cool, some of the stuff you guys are doing now. Yeah, so there's been a big uh, paradigm shift in how we manage sinus patients. Now, originally, sinus surgery was managed with much more aggressive operations and they were done in the operating room. Typically, an experience would be a visit to the hospital general anesthesia for the patient. In the old days, it even required hospital stays, but once it became outpatient, the recovery time still was prolonged, sometimes up to one or two weeks. Typically involved packing in the nose, which is often uncomfortable for patients. And usually there was some associated bleeding that would occur with these procedures, you know, for a short period of time following the procedure. And as technology is involved, and we've kind of borrowed some of that technology from artery sinus dilation and the balloons that were used in that in that field, and we're now able to dilate the sinuses in a similar manner. So this is much less traumatic for the patient. We can do these procedures in the office. Uh, it's much more cost-effective. The recovery time is dramatically improved. Usually within 24 to 48 hours, patients are back wow. to doing their normal activities. And it's all done under local anesthesia. The patients are awake. We're conversing with the patient during the during the uh, during the uh, process of dilating their sinuses. So it's been a huge value for the patients. Uh, it's been a great value for the payers because it's significantly less expensive for them. And overall, it's a benefit and a value to to everyone. That's great. And um, Eric. Mm-hmm. is known for his terrible sinuses. As our, our listeners are subjected to them <laughs> yeah, on a, that's right. every on a bi-monthly then, basis, pretty every much. Every now yeah. and then they're like, whoa, well, his sound, he sounds a lot different than he did before. It's all of a sudden he converts into Mr. Rogers. Oh, what <laughs> happened right. there? <laughs> um, so what I want to talk about when we come back from this first break, Dr. Shaw, is um, it all sounds great, right? Doing it in the office and all this. I just want to make sure that the results we're getting with these simple procedures are just as good as what we were getting with the full-blown surgeries because... 
even though it may seem great and it's cheaper and it's all that, if it ends up that it's not giving us as good of results as the full-blown operation, maybe we haven't done anything. So I do want to talk about the results um, when we get back and talk more about what else you guys offer at uh, ENT and Sleep Medicine Associates. Um, So stay tuned, folks. We're going to have more with Dr. Shaw here on Ion Health after these words. All right. Welcome back. It's Ion Health. Every Saturday, Eric, 10 to 11. Oh, hey, by the way, our website (laughs) has not been updated in a while, but I just figured out how to, there was something wrong with the uh, updating process and it's all figured out. You got to let me know on this stuff. I think this visit with Dr. Shaw is a perfect time for us to get the website updated. Sure is, yeah. So go to ionhealthradio.com and I'll have it updated with Dr. Shaw. In fact- we're going to have a picture of Dr. Shaw on there. Holy how, about, cow. how about that? And how if, about that? You know, if you go out to the website now, you can see there's a contact form there. Just put in your email address. We will not spam you. Yes. Okay. But you'll know whenever it's updated with Dr. Shaw's information and the latest show. Uh, the show's once a week, so you know you're not going to get bothered more than that. You basically get a little <laughs> summary. Uh, Kind of blog description, blog, yep. is that right? Yeah, blog description that, yeah. of what we talked about here today um, if you sign up for that. So that's good. Okay. So we, once again, folks, we have Dr. Uh, Shaw from ENT and Sleep Medicine Associates. The website's entandsleep.com. That's all one word with no spaces. Check out the website. They've got great information there. Looks very professional. Mm-hmm. Very well done. But then again, Dr. Shaw is also an MBA, so he knows the importance of there you go. making things look good and look great. Okay, so we hey, when we were going to the first break, Dr. Shaw, we were talking a little bit about this, um, the balloon dilation for sinus problems. Let's back it up a little bit, and let's talk about sinus problems in general, right? What would lead to that balloon procedure? Is every single headache in the front of your face a sinus infection? No, there's uh, many causes for headaches in the face. I mean, as a specialty, ENTs typically deal with headaches that are originating from nasal problems. So nasal congestion, difficulty breathing, subsequent infections of the sinuses that cause pain and pressure in the facial area, typically surrounding the eye. So, you know, you can have uh, discomfort and pain in the forehead, between the eyes, below the eyes, and that's usually an indicator that it may be originating from the from the nasal cavity and problems going in the nose, as opposed to other types of headaches that commonly occur, such as high, migraine headaches, tension headaches, um, that sometimes also are in the same locations, and therefore becomes a little bit difficult to discern unless we do full examinations on patients and sometimes imaging studies to help us try to are identify there, that. Are there certain symptoms or uh, signs that you're looking for in a patient that, like, the light bulb goes off over your head and you're like, okay, this is a classic sinus infection, sinus problem? Yeah, so if we back it up, you know, many people deal with colds and flus. Um, usually in those patients, the symptoms are a little bit shorter lasting, maybe one to two weeks, and you'll typically suffer with nasal congestion, uh, which is difficulty breathing. You may have a runny nose. Um, but when it converts to an infection, uh, the color of the drainage often changes to a discolored drainage. The pressure in the facial area will typically intensify. Uh, there may or may not be an associated fever. Um, and that would clue us in to the fact that this is now possibly progressing into a sinus infection. 
Many people deal with sinus infections. It's probably one of the more common reasons why antibiotics are prescribed or visits are made to either primary care providers and or uh, urgent care centers. Um, It's the patients that are dealing with these problems on a frequent basis, which we call recurrent acute sinus infections, where they're getting infections to the tune of four, five, six times per year, or the patients that just never seem to get better, the chronic sinus sufferers, where after you know three months of having these symptoms, it just goes on and on and on. And those are the patients that we mainly deal with in our practice. We're trying to help those patients to lead better lives, higher quality lives by improving these uh, frequent infections and, and reducing that and, and helping with those pressure and headaches. I'm guessing for the person who maybe just gets one sinus infection, their primary doctor throws them on some antibiotics and they get better, That's they're probably never going to come into your office, right? Those are not the patients those that not we would one, typically right. encounter. They're, they're not the droids that you're looking for. They're, you're looking <laughs> um, and you don't always jump right to imaging. You know, sometimes you're able to figure this out just by doing the old doctor-patient thing and, and talking to the patient. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, the, the patient's uh, symptoms are a big component of us understanding their problem. And like I had mentioned earlier, they have some very classic, typical symptoms. And in addition, uh, within, our, within our specialty, we have special tools, nasal endoscopes, that allow us to visualize the inside of the nose a lot more a lot uh, better than the typical examination that may occur in a primary care provider's office. So we're able to get higher and deeper inside the nose to take a look at where the sinuses actually are located. Uh, Typical examinations occurring in general practice offices can't get to those locations. So we're able to see some of the the signs that you might find from an inflammation or infection of the sinuses. And, And then if it it's progressing beyond that, uh, if the problem's not resolving or it's becoming a recurrent problem, then we have imaging studies that we can also perform. And we try to do all that in one location. So we can perform the endoscopic examination. If they require imaging studies, we can perform that right there in the office on the spot so that we can give answers to our patients in a timely manner and get to the, get to the root of their problem and try to help solve that for them. Is there anything that predisposes you to get recurrent sinus infections? Like I know Eric has chronic allergy issues. Is that predisposing him to get these sinus infections? Yes. So most of the time when people deal with sinus infections, and and to back it up, I mean, if we think of the sinuses, um, imagine that uh, there are several rooms coming off of a hallway. Each of the rooms would represent a sinus, and the hallway would represent the inside of the nose. And essentially, when there's a poor connection between that room and the hallway. There's a disruption of the air circulation and a disruption of the mucus circulation inside your nose. And when that disruption occurs, that often leads to sinus infection. So Eric, for example, suffers with allergies and allergies typically cause swelling inside the nose. And when the nose becomes swollen, there's less room for the air to move around. There's less room for mucus to circulate. And when things start getting plugged up or backed up, that typically can lead to a sinus infection for people who deal with that problem. If you, it's like reading my mail. If you, <laughs> if, yeah, that's right. If you control the allergy problem long term, do you then lower your risk for getting these sinus infections? Or have you remolded your anatomy so much over all these years of poor control that it's too late? 
No, it's a definite part of the overall management of a patient. And frequently when we manage allergies, we also manage their sinus problem. Um, But there are many, many patients that just have pure structural issues. They have. They were just made that way. They were made that yeah. way. The the cartilage that divides our nose in half, called the nasal septum, may be displaced or off to one side. The sinus openings may be narrowed or restricted, and they just may have been born that way. And so, this is something the, I can blame on, like all the fights with my brother absolutely. when we were kids, and maybe the nose <laughs> sure. got knocked to the side. That, I'm going to sure. go with that theory. Yeah, I'd go with that. That sounds good. I'm going to call him after this. Say, kinda, a doctor told me. It makes you sound kind of tough, too. Yeah. <laughs> How much of it is a problem, Dr. Shaw, that you see, um, because sinus and quote unquote sinus infections are very, very, very common, right? I mean, uh, p- people are often sent in to the, to the ophthalmologist's office for pain behind the eye, and I can tell them it's not your eyeball, it's your sinuses. I mean, this is very, very common. But how much of it is a problem that you see where they go to their primary or urgy care, and they're not put on a complete course of antibiotics to fully clear that sinus out? Maybe they're put on like a you know, five-day course of something that knocks it down a little bit but doesn't completely wipe it out, and then the next time it flares up, does it not become a little more difficult to control? Now you got to reach for stronger and stronger and stronger antibiotics? Usually um, the position on just generalized one-time infections, they don't always need antibiotics. Many times they'll clear out on their own. Um, sometimes they just need symptom control. But it's the ones that are repetitively being treated with antibiotics and repetitively getting sick or chronically sick that are on long-term antibiotics. Those are the patients that I feel would be at a higher risk for developing a sensitivity or immunity to these antibiotics. The one-time patient that goes to an urgent care that gets a prescription filled for a suspicion of a sinus infection is not likely to, to develop this type of an immunity or subsequently require stronger antibiotics. It's the ones that are getting antibiotics over and over and okay. over again, or for long periods of time. Now, now I, I caught indirectly the uh, uh, doctor's disease of not following up on my own medical issues, uh, <laughs> having a ton of knowledge about it, but not doing anything yes, about sir. it. Uh, yeah, right. <laughs> and it, so, as a you know, as a kid, tons of antibiotics. You know, always had strep, always had sort of stuff. As an adult, I just I you know, when I get a sinus infection, I just let it run. Is that a best default course, or should you really be seeking out antibiotics for short-term effectiveness, uh, you know, barring going and getting a real solution like balloon therapy? Yeah. So, I mean, we always try to treat patients from the most conservative way and then, and then go more aggressive as needed. Mm-hmm. So absolutely, if you are dealing with an infection and it's one that's progressing or not getting better after five, six, seven days, then an antibiotic would absolutely be indicated in that circumstance. Most patients, if they have healthy immune systems, are going to be able to get rid of an infection on their own without antibiotics. But if there's an improvement in their symptoms and then all of a sudden it progressively gets worse sure. within that 10 to 14-day period, then generally that would warrant an antibiotic. Once you're passing that two-week mark and it doesn't show any signs of getting or maybe it resolved a little bit and then got worse, that, that's a theme. Absolutely. It's annoying. <laughs> yeah. Sounds like you have experience with it. A little bit, yeah. Not that it's personal. All right, hey, folks, we got to take another break. When we come back, we're going to talk more about the balloon therapy now, what's involved with that, uh, how long does it take, things like that. I also want to talk about maybe other therapies for sinus infection. So stay tuned. We're going to have more with Dr. Shaw from ENT and Sleep Medicine Associates, entandsleep.com. More from him 
after these words. Welcome back. It's Eye on Health. Every Saturday from 10 to 11 here on 97.1 FM News Talk, we're talking about your health care. Hey, on the way in, I learned that uh, St. Louis is once again the most dangerous city in America. We're number one. (laughs) We got it. Yes. You know why, right? Why? Because you and I are back downtown together. It's a dangerous combination. (laughs) Every time I pull into this building, it reminds me that we're the (laughs) number one most dangerous city. Now, now it it is my civic duty just to highlight to our listenership that those statistics are yes. unfair to the city think, of St. Louis think because every, of yes. the city counter, county I, change. I think everyone that I, lives here knows that. Yeah. Everyone that doesn't everyone live here does not know that. Yeah, right? but if you're new to the area, you yes. probably realize by now it doesn't feel like Detroit, <laughs> uh, and there's a reason for that. Right. Very good. Hey, by the way, Eric, we've got a special guest in we here. We do. We have Dr. Keaton Shaw from ENT and Sleep Medicine Associates. Uh, the website's entandsleep.com. They've got offices all all around me. That's right. Including, You're surrounded. Including one is like four minutes from my. Basically, they surrounded all my offices. Well, Doctor Shaw basically took the most uh, long form game to become a guest on Eye on Health by encircling you. He did over the course of the last <laughs> exactly. several years until you couldn't exactly avoid having happened. him on. That's exactly <laughs> what happened. Yes, right. Very good. But hey, we're learning a lot about sinuses, sinusitis, sinus infections. And the treatment that you guys are really, well, let me ask you this. Uh, are you doing any surgeries to repair sinuses anymore, or is everything now office-based? No. So there are occasions where patients may still need to go to the operating room. And in fact, most ENTs nationwide still haven't made the shift and the adoption okay. to the balloon right. procedure has been slow. And- I feel part of the reasons for that is, is that as surgeons, one, we weren't necessarily trained in this procedure during our residency. And also when we operate on patients, we're frequently used to them being under anesthesia without having to really worry about their comfort conversing with them. We could just do the technical aspects of our procedure and someone else was managing the other aspects of the patient. When we shifted these procedures into the office, yeah, there welcome to a, my world, man. A higher responsibility <laughs> for this for the surgeon yeah. who now not only has to manage the patient's level of comfort, still be able to engage the patient, make them comfortable and relaxed, and yet still perform their work. So the adoption on this procedure has been relatively slow. Uh, I started doing this procedure around 2010-11, and really within the Southern Illinois market, there are I probably would say I'm one of the few providers of that service. There are some other providers here regionally. And so there are many procedures that that can be done in the office now. There are circumstances now that that may still necessitate a patient going to the operating room, either medical concerns, structural issues that just can't be dealt with without putting the patient under anesthesia. But I'd say far and above, most of these patients can be dealt with in the office. Even though the adoption rate is slow, do you see a trend that we're moving more towards this procedure uh, nationally? Yes, absolutely. Okay. Yes. And, uh, and, to bring and within the, a few years, will we be having the same discussion and you'll be saying, well, now this is the way everyone's doing it? <laughs> is that what your feeling is or what you think? Absolutely. As yeah. patients start to, well, more and more patients are aware of this procedure, sure, so sure. they're seeking it out. And as training programs evolve, they're probably incorporating this into their training of new residents and new doctors. So as 
as more and more people become familiar with the procedure, yes, I feel that that will absolutely happen. So functionally, how does the balloon dilation therapy work? Or you mentioned the the analogy of a hallway with the you know rooms on the side. Are are you routing the balloons kind of into that pathway into the room, or how's that work? Yeah. So another analogy is think of the connection between the sinus and the nose like an hourglass. Sure. And so the narrow part, the restricted or small part of that hourglass would represent the connection or the what we call the ostium of the sinus. So what we're doing is we're inserting a balloon into that narrow funnel and then dilating it, which increases the size of that opening yeah. substantially to allow that air and that mucus to flow easily back and forth between those locations. And uh, that that is different from the uh, old way of doing things where you would actually need to remove tissue around that area. Yes. I'm guessing, by the way. I have no idea. I'm clearly Sounds not a pretty doctor. Dang, pretty yeah. good, man. Yeah. Well, the, uh, the instrumentation has gotten smaller, so we're able to access these small openings with smaller and smaller tools. And then in the old days, we didn't have that type of technology, so we would have to put the patient to sleep and we'd have to cut open those open open them up yeah 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 Yeah. and so with this balloon procedure there's no tissue cutting uh so there's really no bleeding Mm -hmm. and the trauma to the region that we're trying to have function better is substantially less so is that uh how long does that take for if you're doing an inpatient procedure do you show up and a couple hours later you're on your way or what are you t- talking about? So so these procedures are done in the office setting and mm-hmm. normally they take no more than 30 minutes. Wow. Usually. Um, what kind of pain level does the patient experience with? So I always tell our patients that on a scale of one to 10, 10 representing probably the worst thing you chose to do and one representing a very easy, straightforward, comfortable process Balloon science procedures n- would never typically be higher than a one or a two. Oh, wow. okay. All right. Wow. So they barely feel it at all. Yeah. Pressure maybe a little bit of... A little bit of pressure. They may hear noises during the procedure, which we always tell them that they they may hear the dilation when the the sinuses are being remodeled. They may feel pressure when, when we're doing the uh, dilations, but... Generally speaking, there's no pain typically involved with this procedure. Well, anybody who's dealing with chronic sinusitis yeah. and especially painful chronic sinusitis yeah. with the headaches knows you're already above a yeah. two at that point sure. for large parts parts yeah. of your day. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. The patients will frequently say that my sinus problem is much more much worse than the solution. Yeah. That's Do you ever provided. get someone with like instant relief as soon as you pull that balloon out and it depressurizes and Absolutely. One yeah, of the things huh. that I always do with our patients is after we've completed the procedure, I just ask them to take a breath. And they're amazed with how free the air is flowing, how much pressure has been relieved. And they notice that result almost instantly upon completing the procedure. And frequently I get statements from patients, well, I never knew that my nose could function like this. Sure. Uh, because most they, people who deal with chronic nasal problems really have no idea sure. what normal is yeah, right, because... Sure. The chronic problem is their normal. Yeah, yep. yeah. How long does it stay dilated? Um, I, I'm guessing as you dilate that thing, you're 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 smushing the mucosa to open up that hole. Absolutely. But that's just soft tissue. Well, my concern would be as time goes on, does it not close back in? So uh, the studies have shown that the efficacy of these dilations are just as effective as the traditional sinus surgeries. So. Uh, 
in my practice, I've had very, very minimal revision balloon dilations. Where Could patient, you repeat it, though? It is absolutely, a and that's the beauty of the procedure. Should somebody need it, it's that same yeah. 20-, 30-minute procedure down the sure. road, and frequently it would be even quicker because the pathways have already been created and we're just reopening them. Wow. Wow, that's great. Is it covered it's, by insurance? Most insurances do cover this procedure Medicare? now. Medicare? Yes, Medicare covers it, absolutely. It sounds like, like a perfect weapon. I think you, you know, need it. I I've, think you need I think uh, Dr. Dr. I'm going to be in your it, office at I think, the earliest No, no, I think you should do it on air. <laughs> I mean, I... How listen, big is the machine? I'm always game. The but, balloon is very small, uh, but the, the endoscopes the and everything uh, else... Are, could be a little complicating factor there. Yeah, yeah it might be difficult to get truck. into the studio. You know, what, I'll, you know what I'll do? I'll bring a tap scan with me to the office. Okay. And then I don't know how exciting any audio might be that you want to play on air, but you know, just in case there's any fun, fun <laughs> events, maybe that first breath afterwards, we'll try and get that where it's like, well, look, I can yeah. breathe again. Any, um, uh, restrictions after the procedure, <clears throat> no downtime we, or anything like that. So I usually will try to do these procedures on Thursdays or Fridays so that patients really are not missing any time off from work. Um, normally what I will tell the patients is that we give them, uh, medications prior to the procedure. We usually give them, uh, a sedative to just make them feel a little bit more relaxed, a pain pill just to kind of take any potential discomfort away. And then we tell them that once those medications have worn down and you're fully alert, which we normally to be on the safe side, just say the following day, they're unrestricted from driving and doing all normal regular activities. We may limit them a little bit from uh, vigorous activities if we're worried, um, you know, about any type of bleeding, but that's almost unheard of in these procedures. Um, Do you put them on anything like Afrin or any any of these things afterwards to try to keep things open? Uh, Typically, following the procedure, we just will recommend saline irrigations. Uh, Afrin is not something that we normally would would prescribe following this procedure. But yeah, saline <laughs> irrigation is usually the thing that we just tell them to do frequently. And and quite frankly, uh, saline is excellent for, for really anyone. I mean, mm-hmm. you go to a dentist and they'll tell you to brush and floss twice a day. Uh, as ENT doctors, I always, I always like to tell my patients that, you know, you can rinse and clean your nose out twice a day with saline. It'll help just keep everything open, keep, to keep it cleaned out. Are and, you talking about the saline, like the squeeze bottle, or are you talking like a neti pot or both? So any any version that's comfortable for you. There's multiple ways for getting saline into your nose, and there's multiple manufacturers of saline. You can um, go to any uh, pharmacy, and you'll see a whole aisle full of them. Uh, I always tell patients whatever's most comfortable for them. Uh, some like to power wash their nose with uh, the squeegee bottles. Some like to flood it with teapots. Yeah. Other people like the pressurized version. Some like the mist. However they want to get it in there, uh, that's easy for them as long as they're moisturizing and cleaning their nose. So from a important. clinical standpoint, there's no real material. I've always, before the record, I've always just had a neti pot because that's what I had and, you know, I'm familiar with it. But uh, I, I resisted the saline irrigation for years, really up until this show. And I had enough doctors come in here while I had a sinus infection saying, dude, just, you need to use an antibiotic a couple times a day yeah. and it, you know, and it'll help a lot. And it's, it really was, that was a, one of the most life changing things as simple as it is. 
And then I get great enjoyment out of the marketing around the uh, saline, you know, uh, 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 bicarbonate sodium or whatever, you know, solution that's like, guys, it's it's baking soda and salt in there, you know, (laughs) it's not nothing fancy. Right, exactly. And and you as an allergy sufferer, you've been um, rinsing with saline, which has been Mm -hmm. very beneficial in getting those allergens out of your system. And we tell all our patients to to use salt water on a regular basis. Yeah. So- so even for people that don't have chronic chronic sinus issues, it wouldn't be a bad idea to keep it keep it cleaned out. Absolutely. Um, what about this time of year when it's so dry out? You know, I mean, like your throat's so dry. Right yeah, now. like my throat just got dry <laughs> all of a sudden. <laughs> yeah. You but notice a, how big my water bottle is. The, the pernicious thing about St. Louis is that the only time of year that people like you and I, Doctor Jones, aren't suffering from severe allergies. Then it's dry. As then a bone. it's dry as a bone, yeah. and I've got eye drops going yes. all day. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, is it any worse this time? Of year? I mean, is there is there a time of year that's worse or better for, or can it be year round? Well, the saline we recommend year round, but uh, definitely the fall, winter, and spring months are high months for allergy and sinus sufferers. So we're seeing a lot more of that now coming through our doors in our office. So summer when there's. Uh, only a few allergens out there like grass, but also the humidity's way up. Summer's a good, relatively good time. We usually see less yeah. infections during if, that period of time. I think if you think about, uh, if I think about Eric and, and myself, really, it's spring and spring and fall really are the, are the worst for yeah. the sinus issues. Yeah. Yeah. Spring and fall and summer and <laughs> early spring and <laughs> late fall. And, yeah. <laughs> right. Um, now, if you have, uh, this is going to be a loaded question as we go into our next break. So you have this chronic inflamed mucosa in the sinuses there. Does that put you at an increased risk for having sleeping trouble? Absolutely, yes. And that's that's another area that we focus our practice on is airway issues and sleep apnea. And it's absolutely correlated. So when your nose is congested and clogged, your breathing is restricted and at night, those things tend to get worse. And then if you're not breathing effectively or efficiently at night, then any sleep-related issues that you have definitely will be amplified. Told you it was a loaded question. All right, yes, folks, sir. we're going to break. We'll have more Eye on Health after these words. All right, welcome back. It's Eye on Health. The, the best bump music in medical talk radio. Uh, only because you pick it. It's a small, small competition. But we take it out every time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Wait, well, who, who is the competition? I, I don't know. Not in St. Louis. I don't know. Someone uh, out there. Good. Well, yeah. Okay, you can take credit for that. That's very good. I'm from that millennial generation that likes to give ourselves awards. So yes, you that's, are. that's just I just made another one up. Yeah, here we go. Millennials ruining everything. <laughs> <laughs> there, I understand. I just read an article about millennials ruining canned tuna this morning. What are they doing? They don't. They're not like eating. Sustenance. They're not eating enough canned tuna, so like canned tuna is going to go away. Well, that's annoying. <laughs> you got to pay more for the pouch. I guess. I don't know, man. <laughs> Only thing that out know. out does my millennialism is my cheapness. Yes, that's it's like right. just give me the can. Okay, that's right. Yeah, very good. Hey, by the way, Eric, mm-hmm. we have had a very special guest in we studio have. all morning. Yeah, you've kind of been ignoring him. What? His name is Dr. Keaton Shaw. Um, he is with ENT and Sleep Medicine Associates. They've got offices all over the Metro East, which mm-hmm. is good for me in particular. 
the website, ENT and sleep. It's all one word. There's no spaces. There's no dashes. There's no hashtags. That's right. There's no pound signs. There's no ampersands. And, it, and it's important to note that Dr. Shaw's is not a, not a sponsor of the show or anything like that. We just met him today. Um, but we, we look for highly recommended medical professionals from kind of our network of, of folks. And Dr. Shaw came to us that way. And it's looking like by the end of this show, uh, Dr. Jones and I are both going to be laying we're in both, Dr. Shaw's office because we've got some stuff to take care of. We're both going to be there. Yeah, that's right. So thanks so much for coming in and sharing this information. Sounds like this balloon sinus dilation is here to stay. Absolutely, yes. And I uh, definitely appreciate being on the show and and educating people on, on some of the options that are available. But yes, balloon sinus dilation is not going anywhere. Done in the office, covered by most insurance plans, saves you a trip to the operating room, saves you the cost of the operating room and the cost of an anesthesiologist. Um, so there are many benefits to doing it. And if you, you qualify for that surgery... And it's going to be just as efficacious as doing the entire surgical fix, um, then I would say, why not? Yeah, there's really no reason at this point not to do it in the office if if you're a good candidate for it. Unless maybe you're related to an anesthesiologist or something. And just <laughs> just throw him a bone a little bit. <laughs> yeah, something like yeah. that. Very good. Hey, uh, I know I asked you a loaded question right as we were going to the end of that first break, and it had to do with you know, you know, congestion, sinus congestion in general, and how that can uh, actually affect your sleep, which is another uh, specialty of your practice. And I know it's another loaded question here, but the answer is absolutely yes, right? I mean, if you are congested, that's going to make that problem even worse. A hundred percent, yes. So if you're trying to get that pro- your sleep problem under control, don't you need to address the congestion issues as well? Or will CPAP itself just force the air down no matter what? Well, that's one of the things that is unique about seeing an ENT specialist that's also a specialist in sleep, that we work and deal with the airway every day. And that's part of our core training. So in identifying these obstructions when we're examining patients either for sleep problems or for nasal problems, we're finding that these restrictions are contributing to their sleep problems And both need to be fixed, right? Very good. Well, thank you so much for coming on again, folks. This is Dr. Keaton Shaw from ENT and Sleep Medicine Associates, entandsleep.com. I'll put a link to it on our website, Eric. That's ionhealthradio.com. I hope everyone has a great weekend. Stay tuned for On the Money. It's an important time to listen to On the Money with Bob Stockdale. Have a good weekend. Get more at 971talk.com.